1: 911, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his
2: wife's cruise ship. Somebody Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. And we're going to make it out of here. we got to work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News at 11. She was hired to fix DC's 911 problems. It was the worst I'd ever seen. But instead says she was fired for exposing the failures. The blame belongs in leadership. Now the IT digs into what fueled the mayor's decision. Tonight on 7 News at 5.
1: Hey guys, this is Jackie, Wizard of Floozies, Zabrowski, here to let you in on a little secret. This week, on Wednesday, December 11th in Los Angeles, there's going to be a live Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser podcast show at the Regent Theatre at 8pm. You know you want to come on out, I'll give you a kiss. I just, I I can't even start it off with a song because I can't hit her notes unless Sing I was something. going to do...
2: And the hero lies in you, a will it. to carry on. I don't have the lyrics wow. for me, Jackie.
1: When a hero comes along With the strength to carry on And you cast your fears aside And you know you can survive When you feel like hope is gone Look inside you and be strong strong. Because you'll finally be the truth that a a hero lies in you. A hero lies in us, Mariah Carey, and (laughs) I have to say, I know that we usually start off with the gush, we're gonna get into the gush, but I have never felt so bad. I think that every person that writes rag newspapers should do a deep dive on the people that they write rag (laughs) newspapers on, because I feel bad that I have japed at Mariah Carey's existence. <laughs>
0: but that's a... Th- I feel then bad. Then if you look into them, you develop empathy, and then you can't... Right, right. But a hero right. lies in me, Natalie. I know. I know, Jackie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I will have to say... By the way, hi, I'm Holden. I will have to say, right now in this moment, um, I I feel like I have gained so much out of learning about this woman's prolific career, and I haven't even learned the half of her career. And you're right. I feel like in a lot of ways... I had written her off as uh, first of all just a woman I used to masturbate to as a child, for
1: sure. Of and course. then,
2: and then she kind of went, you know, a wall. I guess one might say. But then you learn. You're like, oh, it's because she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. We're not even going to get into that today. That's two thousand. This is the
1: part one. We are doing the rise of Mariah. That's the year
2: two thousand. Also, P.S. Side note: I can't wait to watch Glitter this next week.
1: I am so. I've never seen it. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) Oh, Natalie, we should get together. Sorry, Holden, you have to watch it by yourself. And we're gonna watch it this week, okay? Because I'm very excited. I can't wait to get into the (laughs) glitter territory. Can we
0: do a double feature of Glitter and the John? uh, The Limbisket movie,
1: <laughs> the fanatic. Of the course fanatic. we can. Yes, a thousand percent we can. Yes, I'm very excited. We're going to have a great. We are going to have a great week. You're going to have a very alone week, Holden. Yes, watching glitter by yourself because today we are just talking about the the rise of Mariah Carey and how she became. Which to me, I was obsessed with Mariah Carey as. A child, but like I was saying this to, to this to Natalie earlier, I was obsessed with emotions through butterfly, Mariah Carey, which is essentially what we are covering today. Yes, and in her first album, I had never really listened to until it's amazing, looking into this, incredible, which is
2: incredible. I mean, I knew Visions of Love uh, or Vision of right. Love, Um Vision of Love, yeah, uh, uh, and that is such a fucking great pop song. Uh, really, so tight. This is the thing because I've gotten into you know I think more modern pop music has been my thing. Like I wasn't super listening to pop back when this, these albums were dropping, and having now gotten more into the genre uh, as of late, man, you go back and you listen to stuff, you're just like, it is so just tightly wrapped, perfect pop for you. And the and then and then you look at all of her albums, and it is just. Album after album with like massive hits spanning decades
1: that she wrote almost all of. I had no idea that she was writing this fucking music. Well, I I
0: didn't real I knew she had a million songs, but um, I'm going to learn a lot about her today with you guys. (laughs) But I did some music research and everything, and I didn't know any of the songs from her first album. And then some, because I know, like, the fantasy era is when I'm really familiar with her, but then stuff even after that, I didn't, I was not familiar with at well, all. Well, you were
1: more into the punk scene, and I, I think that, like, especially I, me growing up, I was more into, like, the pop R&B scene yeah. way more than you were, which is why I grasped onto Mariah Carey as... We will discuss that she melded pop and hip-hop and R&B, R&B together. She made a lot of songs. God damn, she made so much music. She just, she's a machine.
2: Yeah. So, let's get into the gush. Jackie, what is your, do you have specific memories of, you know, of her music growing up? Other than, like, Hero played it every single middle and high school dance that I attended. Uh, of stuff like that, like I feel like she was always going to be there every time I went to a retail store to buy clothing. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's just, oh, yeah. it's just sort of the, the the background music of your life. You know what I mean? But were you like a super super into her stuff? Uh, early on. I was super into
1: her stuff. I think that I also just always wanted to look like her and I was I never knew how to ride a bike or do roller skates or anything but that video when she's on the like in a roller yes going down the boardwalk which was a
0: sexual awakening for most people. Yeah I mean that that I have that visual in my head because of about to go through puberty it was just like oh this is what a sexy fun free girl is I guess and that's what I wanted to be I was I wanted it wasn't
1: that I wanted to which surprisingly Mariah Carey was never a sexual awakening for me personally even though she definitely was for most of the boys and girls I was around I wanted to be Mariah Carey, and I remember putting on the the, uh, the elbow pads and the knee pads, but not <laughs> knowing how to skate. Aww. So I would put socks on and dance around on the wood floors in our Queen's home, pretending to be Mariah ah. Carey. Why, why did you have the elbow and knee pads? <laughs> like just in case, just. <laughs> No, because my mom always desperately wanted us to learn how to do these things, but never took the time to teach us or we never had like the outdoor space to learn. So we had all the safety precautions. We definitely had helmets, but for nothing.
0: Did she at least push you over and stuff so you could use? Henry and (laughs) I did that to each other.
1: We definitely would hit, like put the helmets on and just slam each other in the
0: head. Okay, good.
2: So I think for me personally, I remember her music always being around uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. But it wasn't until we get to 1997's Butterfly where full-on smoke show Mariah Carey happened right at the perfect time in my adolescence where I was literally just fucking... I can't believe I didn't rip my own penis off, honestly, to be Are frank. Are we going
0: to start this episode by talking <laughs> about
2: your boners? <laughs> your Mariah Carey boners? Because, But it's so funny. So back in the day, it was like, wow. It, it was like a magic trick, or something. It was like overnight, she's just like she went from being kind of this innocent girl image to this like sexy, you know, uh, totally just like I said, smoke grown show image. woman. But oh, looking, yeah. doing the research, it makes so much so sense. much sense. And we will talk about what that was for her. That was literally her big fucking middle finger to her own. <laughs> Ex husband and her record label that she was desperately trying to get off of that he was the CEO of, and we will talk that about she could
1: do whatever she wanted to do from then on. Yeah. Guffa. Oh, this is all guffaw. This mm-hmm. whole episode. Yeah. I hope you allowed with us go guffaw. And, mm-hmm. and
2: the whole her whole struggle to bring more of a hip hop sound into her music, and they just wanted her to keep pumping out heroes. You know, uh, one after the other. You wanted her to be a ballad writer. Yeah, I want to work with Wu Tang Clan. I want to work with these people. These are cool. These are cool artists. And ODB, and it's
1: where I also, when I really truly fell in love with Mariah Carey, which we will see once whenever we start talking about the song breakdown, which is a song that she did with Bone Thugs and Harmony, and especially in reading how she wrote the song and what she did with Bone Thugs and Harmony to meld their sounds together. As a kid, I was just like, do I like hip-hop because I never really listened to hip-hop and it's why I started listening to more hip-hop oh, wow. when I was in like middle school because I loved Bone Thugs and Harmony which was almost like it, it was a, a set like a softer version of hip-hop mm-hmm. especially at the time it was more an R&B, R&B. Mm-hmm. and their song Breakdown together I still sing and I know for a fact I've opened page sevens
0: with it multiple times <laughs> because it's always stuck in my head it's <laughs> such a good song Hold on, mm-hmm. I gotta say, um, you mentioned honey was sort of when you started to get
2: Sexually, erections. Yes, erections for, for her.
0: I I was looking through the videos <laughs> and I pulled that one up, and Henry just walked into the room and was like, "Oh yeah, I started jerking it to this video. Yes! I remember that,
2: dude. I'm telling you, I'm, I, and I I don't want to alienate like by by talking about my masturbations for the millionth time on this show, but at the same time, I bet a ton of guys around Henry and I's age have the same fucking, and this is why, and we've talked about this before, but this is because this was when MTV was our porn hub that was yes that was it that's what well, we. well the had. beginning
0: of that video she's in full bondage yes oh like yeah i get out. it
1: yeah. see i was too busy looking at black hole sun <laughs> that was my rub factory black hole sun you like when the mouse gaped oh yeah i was totally into it i thought i had problems which turns out now we learned it's not problems it's just kinks and that's okay okay Cool. There you go. I ain't shaming. But Mariah Carey, eighteen number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100 list. Eighteen, and almost all of them she wrote completely by herself. Which that that was news to me. That's awesome. And writing the be and I love too that she, when faced with the question multiple times when people ask whether she sees herself as a singer or a songwriter, she usually says she sees herself as a songwriter first. And I think that's fucking cool because she was writing. Poems, which she didn't realize were essentially song lyrics since she was a
2: kid. Yeah. You know, I think it's because it's actually due to the fact that she's such a master of image and branding and all of these other things on top of her songwriting abilities. It's just a testament to how many things, many hats that she wears that we wouldn't even know, oh, she actually, you know, because her performance skills are so incredible, her ability to just stay relevant and, to, and reinvent her herself it, it's like uh like you wouldn't even know it and that's just so crazy. I think that's where Jackie and I and uh, Natalie are coming from when it when we come to like having such a grown respect for her uh, through doing this research this week.
1: I think it also where my inspiration comes from her now too is that this is a woman that from a young age, no matter what she was going through, she set out an intention for herself from a very young age. She knew. From a kid that she was going to be a superstar, and she uh, too much to the I much to the point that she acted like I think a shitty teenager <laughs> and was definitely gave her mother a lot of shit because even I read multiple times that she had these quotes that when her mother would tell her to clean her room, she'd say, "I don't have to clean my room, I'm gonna have a maid someday." And you know what? she did she does yeah.
0: I am afraid of her. Oh <laughs> yes, I, yes, her
1: intentions are very strong. <laughs> she said what she was going to do and by gum,
0: she did. I think it. that's maybe why even as a like a tween before I got into like harder music that she, I wasn't super into her because she felt like she would squash me. Like I was such a dork. <laughs> I was. Uh, she was like a bully from my school. I was like, oh, no, I can't. I think that's why I was so into her
1: as well. <laughs> I think that's where I vied with it, where it's like I liked her intensity and I liked yeah.
2: Her power.
0: I, I respect it now. Oh yeah,
2: and yeah. I definitely was like probably much like Henry. Like, yeah, w- whatever you want, Mariah. Do you want me to? Do you want me to climb the tallest building for you right now? Do you want me to? Do you want me to rip all my fucking uh, ass hair out one by one?
0: <laughs> you should do that anyway. You well, you I, should should do that. Do I should do it. You that. should do it anyway. Well, let's, let's get
2: into, into it. Jump into it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Mariah Carey, born in Huntington, New York, to <laughs> my father. I know, right? Huntington. yeesh getting off to a good start guys to a father of african-american and afro-venezuelan descent and an irish-american mother and the name mariah actually came from a song uh they call the wind mariah which was in the musical paint your wagon paint your wagon they call the wind mariah
0: interesting
2: i'm sure that's not how they sang the song back when (laughs) musicals were made to be boring (laughs) uh, <laughs> Seriously though, how dare you, Lay Miz, is a treasure. <laughs> her mother, Patricia, sang in the opera from time to time. It was a vocal coach, um, and uh, a terribly tragic story. And so, so important to know all of this to set the context for Mariah's upbringing. Her mother was disowned by her family for marrying a black man, and because of this, Mariah felt neglected by her maternal family, and this fucked her up. And um, she dealt with a lot of issues. Having to do with her parents being, you know, of, of mixed race.
1: Growing up as biracial, it really affected how she viewed herself and how society viewed her as well. She said, I had to go through so much in my childhood just to feel accepted and feel worthy of existing on Earth because I felt so different from everybody else growing up. Because I was biracial, because I was so ambiguous looking and because we didn't have the money to escape whatever the everyday realities of life were.
0: What year was she born?
2: Uh, it's it is
1: shady because she lies about her age a lot. Yeah. But it seems <laughs> that I she's born up. in nineteen seventy. <laughs> okay. It is very funny though because of many inter- like people are like, I think I know a roundish yeah. Girl,
0: <laughs> girl just embrace it. Come on.
2: <laughs> it's so Mariah though, that's so on Bradford, so I kinda that's love true. it. That's true. That's I love
0: it. It's it's hard even now to to be in um, a biracial relationship or um, you know, date somebody outside for a lot of people. Which that's so, rid- it just, That, that can, still blows my mind. Yeah, even just with how we were raised. Like, I can't. People are ri- ridiculous. Yes, um, they are. But imagine how hard that was in the seventies.
2: I can't even add a divorce on top of that. When Mariah is just three years old, she said a lot of intense stuff happened to me when I was a kid, that people who grew up with money or families that weren't fully dysfunctional will never quite understand. You know, they moved around a lot. Her sister, Alison, Uh, which is going to be a big point of discussion, um, especially next episode, moved in with her father while Mariah and her brother Morgan stayed with their mother. Carrie said, it's been difficult for me moving around so much, having to grow up by myself. My parents divorced and I always felt kind of different from everybody else in my neighborhoods. Um, I was a different person ethnically and sometimes that can be a problem. If you look a certain way, everybody goes white girl and I'd go, no, that's not what I am. And even recently, she was posting screenshots. I forget what it had to do with but they were they were you know t- calling her like uh, uh, saying she didn't her opinion wasn't valid because she was a white girl and shit and it's so crazy like even it's today yeah well, and the
1: same kind of thing too when I remember back in the day as well that I even remember as a kid people giving her shit because she acted like a latina when she wasn't a latina and i think it's because we grew up in a in a predominantly hispanic neighborhood in queens and all of my friends were latinas and so a lot of them also didn't like her for that it's like she's not i mean she's she's uh, has african as well as venezuelan descent but she's not pretending to be any of these things these things she's aware that she's biracial that she's not like let her be mariah which is essentially why i think she created
0: mariah like she is Mimi. yeah and it's it's really difficult too with um people and how much they want to protect their identities and i get that to an extent that like people do uh, abuse other nationalities and, like, take from them and appropriate shit. So I get that that's a real thing, but definitely, um, you know, sometimes people aren't trying to do that and then get kind of caught in that crossfire.
2: Yeah, and it's a more complex situation, not based, you know. Uh, At four years old, she ends up sneaking uh, the radio under the covers at night to sing as a form of escapism from her day-to-day life. Uh, And... In high school, she ends up uh, doing what Jackie mentioned earlier, writing poems and adding melodies to them and that's around when she starts getting training from her mother who of course has the opera background.
1: Now her mother actually noticed from when Mariah was a very young age when her mother was rehearsing for Verdi's Rigoletto for her own New York City opera debut. Her mother told people in 1993 from the time Mariah was a tiny girl she sang on true pitch. She was able to hear a sound and duplicate it exactly.
2: That's insanely hard to do. It's an eight,
1: and so what she said when I she was rehearsing and her mother said I missed my cue but mariah didn't she sang it in italian at exactly the right point she wasn't yet
0: three (laughs) how terrified of your child
1: (laughs) oh that's what we need to talk about kevin then it's just like i don't know what to do with you you're scary yeah but it's also why i will say even though we will talk about the downsides of her family especially her siblings as they grow older i do like that her family supported what she was doing had always lifted her up for the most part. It, even if it wasn't financially, it was emotionally.
0: Lord knows, I would have put that kid in an orphanage.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 get rid of it. No, 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 that or suck out her, uh, suck out her talent,
2: like in the Little Mermaid. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, like cut her, uh, cut her vocal cords. Sure, yeah. <laughs> oh my <God>. Natalie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's also around this time she's uh, demonstrating her ability to perform the whistle register, which is the highest register in the human voice. And again, we were talking about um, her career as we as we now know it. but I remember back when like the first album dropped and was gaining popularity, she was mostly known as that singer that had this crazy range that could hit this crazy high whistle note.
0: I didn't know that term before this.
2: Yeah, yeah. I remember her being known as, like, the pop singer that could hit this really high note and it was almost, not like a, it was almost like a circus act. You know what I yeah. mean? It was
1: something that yeah. she was actually taught how to do. In 1998, she explains that that she can still have the high register and the belting register and still have her husky voice due to the nodules that are in her throat, which is actually interesting because I have the same nodules myself. Let's hear it, Jackie. I, hi. 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 <laughs> no, I can't do it because uh, she said, I've learned to sing through my vocal cords. It's, in, it's a certain part of the cord that not many people use. She uses the very top. Of her vocal cords. How do you find the top? But this is also this I don't she she trained, she trained with people and learned how to do this. And she said, even from she's had the nodules since childhood and then used them then to talk in a really high whisper before training herself to sing in a really high whisper as well. Mm. So she learned how to do this in some way. I don't know how to do it, but it also plays into the fact of why now when she's live, she can't hit the proper notes because she has to be in the right temperature in the right place. Like she has to focus to sing like, I want to know how to
0: control my vocal
2: cords, dude. I don't know,
0: man. Talk to Jackie, Mariah what's Carey. note you can hit.
2: <laughs> we find out early on that, you know, she wasn't after, you know, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but after her <laughs> first album comes out, she's like, I can't perform this shit live. Yeah. Like, on a normal touring schedule. This is like, that, this is how technically difficult, especially her first couple of albums are. I think she started to refine her process a little bit in her approach with knowledge that she would be performing stuff live. But she always kind of hated touring her live show, which is funny because, you know, the, the New Year's Eve performance is such a big now thing, her clusterfucking performance. But for her, I think she was so much more of a studio uh, musician, uh, more of a writer, liked that sort of comfortable environment where you can really hone in and do something special as opposed to being that performer that just wants to be on stage all over the world every night. And there's a big difference.
1: Well, she actually, she explained this too because her mother is classically trained, but she said that she doesn't read music. Ah. And she says that it thinks it helped her write songs that I wouldn't have written if I were going at the technical way because they go, oh, you can't go from this chord to that chord. Mm. It's not the way you're supposed to do it. So she wasn't doing it the way she was
0: properly supposed to do it, which is why you also burn out your vocal cords. Hold in. That's all. That's all really interesting. But hold on, I need to know how high you can sing. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> is that Mariah Carey? I don't know if that's oh a sing or Ryan a song, Carrey's or just some in. sort
2: of an animal noise? Ryan
0: Carey is
1: here. <laughs> Boy, what can you do, Natalie?
2: <laughs>
0: that's. I think that's almost that my register. Highest. I all think right. that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I was a soprano. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So uh, it's around this time, it's in like late high school, she starts writing songs with a guy named Gavin Christopher, who is an R&B songwriter, singer, and producer that started out with Shaka Khan and a band called Life, and later worked with Herbie Hancock, among many others. And with Gavin, she wrote, writes her first song, uh, or at least with him, her first song was Here We Go Round Again. That's when they they start bringing in another guy named Ben Margulies. And he is going to be a super important figure early on in her career. He, He comes in to play keyboard. And as Carrie puts it, they kept in touch and we just sort of clicked as writers. Margulies said, When we met, she was 17 years old and I was 24. We worked together for a three-year period, developing most of the songs on the first album. She had the ability just to hear things in the air and start developing songs out of them. Often I would sit down and start playing something. And from the feel of a chord, she would start singing melody lines and coming up with a concept.
1: It's pretty crazy. This is how she writes most of her music. Yes. Is that she finds people that she works with and jives with very well, and then she holds onto them, because just from the sound of the keys of someone playing something, she'll start, not only, she'll start singing in the different, like pitches or whatever she's got. I don't know what the the musical term is for it, but immediately starts creating lyrics in her head like a fucking machine. But it's also, this comes back to when I was saying that her siblings at least supported her in some fashion. Her older brother, Morgan was so impressed by what she was working on with Gavin Christopher that for her 16th birthday, he paid for sessions in a professional 24 track recording studio in Manhattan. And that's part of the demo that she is writing at this time that her brother her her brother who was 10 years older than her paid for her to do that good investment it's a good investment and at this time i also think it was funny because uh everyone in high school called her mirage because she would never show up to school yeah
0: (laughs) she was very bad at school me neither but i wasn't doing anything to benefit my life (laughs) (laughs) should i start calling you mirage (laughs) uh no i think that meant that means that i would have had to have accomplished something. You now.
1: have accomplished so much. <laughs> yeah, no, go on. All right, <laughs> ding if I ding do ding that. ding ding ding. If you wanna write start writing music, ding ding, ding. Do you want to come up with lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Mirage. <laughs> I uh, She also, at this time, she spent, in her last two years of high school, she did over 500 hours in cosmetology school to have something to fall back on while she was recording these early demos, just in case. Because everyone, that was the only other thing that she liked, and all of her teachers said, well, you at least if you apply yourself and it's something you want to be interested in you excel and she was really into everything she was learning at cosmetology school which also plays into the fact that when she finally does get her freedom she knows exactly
0: how she wants totally to that would benefit you very much as a oh, performer
2: 100 yeah. percent 100%, 100%. to know what like
0: what no aesthetics to know what you want yeah and everything mm-hmm, yeah
2: mm-hmm. uh and after high school she ends up moving into a one-bedroom apartment in manhattan with four other ladies I would love to talk to those girls Right. Well, w- women now I want to hear the stories I want
1: to hear the stories I, but at the same time I moved in I was in a one bedroom with three other people
0: yeah. Oh yeah I was in, in New York. York I was in one of those in Brooklyn as well yeah yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah And and she did actually say I think she was just so hyper focused at this point in her career that she didn't really party a lot, that she was just had her nose to the ground. One of my favorite facts, I hope this is true, she worked as a waitress in restaurants, generally getting fired after about two weeks. That is
1: so mariah. I think that, that it is that, true. That yes. checks out. She <laughs> actually right. says it in multiple interviews of how she was not good at working in customer service. Oh, <laughs> man, I would have also loved to have seen that. Yes. Oh, she, was, that she, she said that she couldn't be nice to people when she knew she wasn't making enough money. Ha! <laughs> Which that I mean makes, that, I
0: love that you know, I so It's mean, I, it. I, so I, I tend not to get Unless they're doing Something horrific I don't get too mad At people in stores If they're like rude to me Or like fast food Or whatever Because I don't expect You to give a fuck About what I'm trying no. To right. But I'm with.
1: still I'm always and forever The nicest Because I did the Customer service yeah, yeah. For a long time This so. is
2: why I always say Everybody should have to Do a teaching job For a year And then people should have to Do a, a retail customer service Job for a year Totally Be like a Dude thing.
1: I'm with you Totally. So,
2: she's still working with Margulies late at night on songs, and eventually she's able to put out a four-song demo tape that failed against her wishes to break in with a major label. Yet!
1: So, I will say, though, at this time, she said that she would go, because she didn't have the money for her bus fare or anything, she would go on foot to virtually every record company in New York with her demo tape in hand that she had made with Ben Margley's. She said, for a year, I couldn't pay someone to listen to my tapes. They think if you don't have a high-powered manager or don't have a record company that's already interested in you, then you're no good.
0: It's how it always is. Yeah, I mean, it's still the same. You do have... It it is sort of like a a pass-the-test thing where you're gonna get treated like such garbage. If you really want it, you have to just keep fucking doing it. You keep going.
2: Yep, and so... At least not long after the demo is produced, Carrie does get a gig with Brenda K. Starr as a backup singer who noticed her gift quote, gifted voice. Um, and it, her and Carrie really hit it off in a lot of ways. And I love one aspect that uh, Mariah Carey talked about in a uh, interview where she said, all she had at that point were her songs that she had written and she was offered at one point like 500 bucks for her songs at one point Brenda K. Starr I don't know if this was a different situation or the same one Brenda K. Starr was like I would love to buy your songs off of you and she, that was one point where she stood stubborn on she was like this is all I have she mm-hmm. did
1: Brenda Starr wanted to put them on her album yeah. and mm-hmm. Mariah Carey's response was you know what I love you and thank you for hiring me but I'm gonna keep my songs
2: yeah and I love which that which go for ha
0: can yeah, we I get mean, a go for her? I think that's it's true for a lot of musicians when they're starting out, they they get kind of run through like, pe- they you know, people offer them amount of money for their work. And then you need the money and you're like, OK, sure. And then you never see profits from something that may be very successful. ever. Yeah.
2: Well, and this is the manipulation, right? Rejection, 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 rejection. Mm-hmm. So much so that finally one person says, I'll accept you. I right. will buy all your stuff. For the very fine co- price of $500. And because you've been put through the ringer for so long and everyone's told you no so much. It, it's so difficult when you get into that situation. I've been in that situation before where you're like, somebody wants to offer us a situation. It sucks. But yeah. what the fuck else are we going to do? I, I think we money. need to take it. And you, and yeah. that's when that's when you hit that fork in the road. Do I stand by my laurels or do I just say fuck it and, you know, and get, get out of this struggling artist scenario that I'm in in some way. You know what I mean? But she's so stuck
1: sure. by herself, yeah. but it is, it's like the hero wasn't her. Yeah. You know, you gotta believe in yourself. <laughs> when a hero comes along. Oh my God, I've been listening to so much Mariah.
2: So, sh- but what does happen with Brenda Starr, that is huge, is Brenda Starr takes Mariah Carey to a record executive gala. Where she is able to hand her demo to the head of Columbia Records at the time, who was named Tommy Mottola.
1: Tommy Mottola. That sounds like a rape party. Well, you know, <laughs> well, at least with Tommy Mottola, that was in the issue, but everything else was the issue. Yeah.
2: But it is. This is such a like this. This felt like a scene in a movie. Like this felt like a Star Is Born style scene, right? Um, in the sense of Matola, he listens to it on the way home. He's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. I've got to get this woman on my record label. And he's like, driver, turn around. And he, you, Sharp, Sharp
0: Records. <laughs> I need to sign you.
2: The driver turns around. They go speed back to the gala. But when he gets there, he just missed her. She just left. And so he ends up, and this is, of course, back in the day. So he it takes him like two weeks to finally get a hold of Carrie trying to just call around town and whatever, I think gets a hold of her through Brenda Starr and is able to, and then immediately signs her as soon as uh, he, he gets he gets her on the phone.
1: See, the thing is that this does sound like a rom-com, and in researching more about Tommy Mottola and what was happening with Columbia at the time, the reason why he did that with the demo tape is that Columbia was desperate for a new Female pop star, Mm -hmm. especially one with an ambiguously ethnic background because the thing is that warner brothers was rapidly increasing their share of the music market and columbia didn't have any young new female pop stars to introduce and make money on because they were going against whitney houston who recorded for arista and madonna who recorded for sire so they needed somebody they were going to make money off of so when mariah was brought into columbia so this is great it's a dream come true Mm -hmm. right
2: yeah this isn't just oh we're we're a big label and we're going to make your record this is like we are going to focus we all of our own efforts you, on making you yeah. the biggest pop star we can possibly make you.
1: And this is, it is out of a fairy tale but that she was designated a priority artist, meaning making her a star was of utmost importance and a good number of people would lose their job if she didn't succeed. So the campaign created for her was the largest and most expensive the label had undertaken to break an artist since Bruce Springsteen and Born to Run. And at this point, she was 19 years old. Oh, that's too young. Think (laughs) of that pressure the pre, and i mean she believed in herself so she knew that she could do this but then you think so all of a sudden you are thrust into this and you know that you can do this and you know that you're talented and contracts
0: are being thrown mm-hmm. at you you fucking sign them you what do you else i mean you don't know they're 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 made to confuse you yes uh, the, all those contracts and you, like you just said the alternate side of that is that yes they are putting all this in energy and money into you but you are Essentially now their entity, like your entire life is owned by the Everything
1: company. you do, it's back to, I know that someday we'll do Britney Spears, like why yeah. she shaved her head. Yeah. Every step she takes, must she must have permission. If she wants to put on mascara, she must have permission. She has to have permission to do anything.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so uh, it, one thing that's nice, she's able to pull in Margulies, her collaborator at that time which is very huge, because I, without him, I don't know if she would have had the album that she had. Uh, and also, Matola brings in the top producers at the time, Rick Wake, who won four Grammy Awards, worked with vocalists like Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Jessica Simpson, Narada, uh, Michael Walden, who produced music for The Temptations, Aretha Franklin, and Whitney Houston. Everybody worked with Whitney Houston. Rhett Lawrence also fucking... So they're
1: bringing in the best of the best.
2: Yeah, and, and this is when Whitney Houston is the top situation really i mean and madonna of course but um uh almost even more so whitney uh and so margulies composes with uh, mariah carey seven of the 11 songs on the album and and all the big ones too so like you got you cannot uh deny uh margulies in this early part of her career he really was instrumental literally and figuratively in getting her uh first album to be the hit that it was so, uh, what do we got? The song All In Your Mind. Mariah Carey said, I was using my upper register. What happened was at the end of it, I did these vocal flips. When I was doing it, my voice split and went into a harmony. If you hear it, it splits. I was saying, get rid of that, but everyone was saying, no way we're keeping that. I
0: don't even understand what that means. So, I know. so I to you'll go hear back it. and listen to it, yeah. It,
2: it's kind of, and I would say go. it's the end of the song, uh, and it's almost like right when the fade out starts, you'll hear it. She, yeah. she, She does a thing that I think like don't like monks do this like in their in chants like where they they can. It's like this special crazy technique that is like very, very unique and very difficult to do.
1: It just really shows that she has such insane control over her vocal cords. And at this point, she didn't have control over just that. But then she realized that she could do it because if you listen to it, then as you listen to more and more Mariah Carey music, a lot of her music, she does the harmonies with herself on the songs because she is the only one that can harmonize properly with herself and how she's
0: singing. Right. But you mean you mean like record tracks to harmonize with other tracks, or that she's actually splitting her throat? No, sometimes? no, no,
2: no. The, the, the thing that she did on uh, "All in Your Mind" is like a very specific, almost an accident. But no, she's talking about layering uh, harmonies. Okay, on, on layering tracks. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah, onto her own stuff, which is why—and you'll hear that, too. If you go back and listen to the production uh, stuff happening, you can hear those layers and things going on. So, Mariah Carey ends up being the best, uh, best-selling album in the U.S. in 1991. That was the uh, name of her album. Uh, it was self-titled. And it started out not huge. It started out very, like, uh, very quiet, the release— but it slowly builds traction, especially af- after her performance uh, on the Grammys. She wins Best New Artist and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Um, and also, she performs Vision of Love on the Grammys. Uh, the number one singles Revision of Love, Love Takes Time, Someday, and I Don't Want to Cry. Uh, and it made, uh, it actually, she was the first music act since the Jackson Five to have. Her first four singles hit number one, but still she felt constricted. Which is nuts.
0: That's in... The early 90s, right?
2: 91. Correct, 91. Okay. The ver- the earliest of the 90s. Uh, but still, she's feeling constrained, like Jackie was just saying. She said, in the early part of my success, I was cloistered. I was like a Rapunzel in a castle kept away from the world, so I didn't get to feel famous. I just felt like, okay, I'll go out there when they tell me. It's time to go sing, and then I'll come back here and sit in the house. I think
0: that is being famous. Yeah, <laughs> I think pretty much. It's like, Because
1: also, she was owned by them. So where is yeah. she going to go? What yeah. is she going to do? Your whole life is now you sing when we tell you to sing. Yep.
2: The beginning of my career was bleak because I was surrounded by everybody who was so much older than me, and I wasn't really allowed to have fun. The big boys were always in control. So it's with emotions that she begins her process of rebellion. Uh, she, she wanted it to be an homage and a tribute to the Motown soul music that she listened to as a child. And she ends up working with uh, Walter Afanasieff, who had a minor role in the first album, as well as Robert Clavillis and David Cole, who you might know from CNC Music Factory. Remember CNC Music yeah, Factory? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> 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 and we got all about CNC Music Factory. That's I them, heard. right?
0: Is that not it? I think it is. I think that's their song.
1: Sounds I, good to me.
0: I know it's one of those.
1: I
2: if I were if I were like, you will die if you get this next question wrong did CNC Music Factory make everybody dance now? I would definitely be like, absolutely, they did. Yes, they did. That sounds right. I think that (laughs) sounds good.
1: So uh, so working with a fantasy F is another one of those, I don't want to use the word kismet, but I'm going to say kismet in the same way as meeting Margulies, that she said, we have this connection where I'll sing what I'm hearing and he'll start playing. And usually it's what I'm hearing in my head. Walter really tries to let me lead. He knows it's important to let me let the melodies I have develop, which is another, so she, she, in a weird way that fate has brought her these people that help her, even though she is being put essentially in a creative cage, still let her be herself in small amounts of ways
0: mm-hmm. well I would say in a satanist viewpoint I know that's the thing but her, I didn't want to bring that into it but. her will sort of manifests that if you if you have a strong enough will in and in a need and a, a pull to yourself people will show up and especially
1: it's been her intention from a young age that she was going to do this yeah
2: uh, unfortunately, Margulies was not really on this album much because this is the first in what will become a series of different falling outs that Mariah Carey has in her life. Yeah, uh, and Carey—they uh, signed. He had signed a contract with her before they signed with Columbia with her agreeing to split both songwriting royalties as well as half her earnings. Sony puts their foot down on a motion, saying he would only be paid the usual amount that a, a co-songwriter would get paid. Carrie said, I signed blindly. Later, I tried to make it right so we could continue, but he wouldn't accept it. Margalese, uh he sued... Uh, Sony, it was a mess, uh, and it's it's very unfortunate. Also, though, you were talking about the songwriting process, Jackie. Carol King has a lot to do with Mariah I
0: Carey's I know. That's, I didn't know that. It's so
2: fun. Makes me so happy. I love Carol King. Isn't that great? So it's actually because Carol King comes over to Carrie. I bet at this time, I'm just assuming Mariah Carey is feeling a little fucked up about what's going on between her and Margulies, and is scared right. about her approach to creating the next album but then it's it's carol king who hits her up and is just like hey i want to work with you whatever you want to do so they get together they sit at the piano and just over many hours they create the song if it's over and that is was the process where she goes to a fantasy f and says look you sit at the piano i stand over you i just start singing you start laying stuff down just like you were talking about and it's a unique process it's and it's a but a great one like what it's such a Strong way to just, for two people to create something Connect. organically. Yeah. And and she talks about how a lot of people don't get that about her. She wants to be there the whole time for the whole process of creating and recording the song. And a lot of, because a lot of times it'd be like, okay, give me what you have. I'm going to go off into my corner. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to bring you what I have. You're And that's just not how she works whatsoever.
1: Well, also at this time, she didn't have the terminology for it. And she didn't realize that she was, she was producing her own music but she wasn't getting paid as a producer and her name wasn't on it as a producer but she said that she was the one sitting in the room being like well that should be higher and we should bring this in then so she was producing it but she didn't know it so she wasn't getting paid or
0: being known as such. Very Hmm. similar to... I mean, Ryan and I have a lot in common. Um, but, um, <laughs> I say that constantly. One, one of the things we have in common is I, I was producing in the film industry before I even knew what a producer was and wasn't getting credited for it. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. I'm a producer. I've been producing for like three years. And, and like, I should be recognized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, really? that's, and it's crazy because I don't even think that that is, in this case, a female thing. I think it's just a young thing. It is. That they knew that they they didn't have to pay her as right. much oh it is for sure and it's an industry thing where right if you're not asking for the money they're never going to give it to you
1: mm-hmm. I, feel emotions. I was trying to sing emotions <laughs> yesterday and jeff K in he's like are you sick i'm like i just can't hit her notes <laughs> are yeah. you okay are you
2: <laughs> it's emotions is a great song it's a great song the whole album it's 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 her with a little bit more freedom. It's got more gospel and soul sounds in it. It's it's playing around a little bit more, which is what she wanted to do, I think, in terms of genre and things like that. Also, though, this album comes out the year after her debut, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that she was breaking away from the normal string of... Make an album, tear, tour for a year, go back into the studio. She didn't want to go on tour like we said before. She just wanted to stay in the studio because she knew a. I don't think I don't think she liked the travel and the rigmarole involved in touring. But also, she she technically just didn't feel like she could do those songs night after night, like we said earlier. Um, but that created all these rumors that she was like unable to do it live unable to to be a live performer so in order to put those rumors to rest she goes on MTV Unplugged and crushes it it's so good that it ends up getting aired three times more than the average Unplugged episode it's and I remember that one being a standout
1: I remember that one and actually Mariah recollected on the experience, noting I feel like that special really helped my career. It was like my first concert. Doing Unplugged really made me excited to tour and really got me curious about going out and performing. I loved doing it. I was really nervous when I first started because I had no experience. It was like a totally unknown thing for me. Now, since Unplugged especially, it really helped me really just break out of my shell a bit because you have to remember, and if you think about this, which is so interesting, that she was working her ass off in the studio at the same time when a lot of people are hitting the club she even says this she said when I first put out my first album I had never done clubs like most singers come up doing clubs and learning about performing I never did it because I was learning about writing songs and working in the studio and coming from that end of things so she really I mean If you can do it that way, isn't it the smartest, coolest way? Because then you know from the inside out Mm -hmm. of how to make your music and do what you want to be doing. But of course she's terrified of performing. She's not a performer. Right. She's a singer. She's a songwriter. And I had never really thought of that. Concept before, and I think it's because all of us are performers. That's like, well, of course, don't you want to go out and do your thing? Right. That's part of the reason why I enjoy writing comedy so I can be on stage and do comedy in front of other people. Or yeah. you guys that are listening right now, it's just it's a way for for me to share what I think is my God given talent to fill that void inside. Yes, the dead and the emotions yeah, that yeah, I yeah. try not to think about, and the uh, and the trauma. But that's not the case with Mariah Thanks, Carey, listeners.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Speaking of emotions, uh, yes, the shackles were pulled off a little bit for this album. Unfortunately, emotions fails to do quite as well as the initial debut. That's why they're really, really put back on for Music Box, and you can note you'll notice that it's got "Hero" on it. It's incredibly traditionally a pop album without any of those extra genres uh, coming in to play. Like and and um I, I think this is the beginning of her starting to really resent her relationship with Sony as an artist. And at this time she is
1: flirty birdie. This is the start too of her and creepy bitch ass Tommy Matola. <laughs> because he also did have he kept putting his creep hands all over the creation of music box. And I did find it interesting that so I'm sorry. Explain wh- why they worked on the song "Hero." Yes.
2: Yeah, so Epic Records approaches Mariah Carey in a fantasy F to write a song for an upcoming Dustin Hoffman and Gina Davis 1992 film called "Hero." Have you guys seen it? I don't remember. Nope. It. nope. No. No, no I idea have that was for a movie. No. I know nothing about it. I just know the song. And the song was originally intended for Gloria Stefan.
1: So, but also when they came to Mariah Carey. She said, because I was thinking of someone else, I wasn't trying to write in it too high of a key or make right. it too intricate. And then it just became the simplicity of it that was part of the appeal. But at that time, Tommy Matola walked in and asked us what we were doing. We told him we just wrote this song for the movie Hero. He said, let me hear it. And after he heard it, he looked at us and he said... There's absolutely no way you're giving that song to that movie. This is your song, Mariah. So he ended up recording it herself. We didn't give it to the movie, and I didn't write anything for the movie. Mm. Just his name makes him sound like such Tommy a creep. Tommy Maddola is
2: just such a creep. But I know <laughs> that's I mean, like, that song, though, I mean, that was the right call. That's the worst part is right that he's
1: right about it he just I just ooh, creepest. also look up a picture of Tommy Mottola creep dumb face that I just want to be like oh you know while you're doing all of this that you're married with two children you piece of shit
0: uh,
1: oh I didn't know that oh yeah that's why it took uh, them so long to get married
2: ah I see well she always said about hero she always felt it was too schmaltzy for her particular sound until she started receiving letters from around the world saying it's one of those songs that people hear and it actually gives them the will to keep living. And and after getting so many stories from so many different people saying that that song helped them through dark dark times in their lives, Aww. she now it's one of the most performed songs that she has that she does live. She she really stands behind it. But yeah, it was definitely. But again, it was definitely Matola. It was definitely this is a very much symbolic of her struggle with Columbia was like, I want to do Motown gospel. I want to bring on all these other sounds, these, you know, and honestly, blacker sounds, you know what I mean? And right. and Matola being like, no, we need you to be this like whiter thing. Right.
1: They wanted her to be as as like close to white girl next door. as She could be. Look
2: yeah. at the color of me. Mu- look at the cover of Music Box. It's look insane. at the cover of it. It's, it's a like whitewashing and now these
1: things would wow. be ripped apart But this it wasn't her choice But she would be ripped apart for it
0: Well back then there wasn't any form of social media So the, the industry just put out Controlled whatever they it. wanted right? And nobody had any say or opinions about it
2: anymore. Yeah. And it does get panned Music Box does get panned by critics For being this very basic collection of pop songs But the album of course becomes one of the best of all time she what, finally- other,
0: what other songs are on that?
2: Uh, hero You've got uh, Dream Lover Which is, which okay, is great this
0: is, this is the one that I'm familiar dream with And then like um, Fantasy you. That's all? uh
2: No Fantasy is no, not it, That's not. next
1: Honestly oh. this is not This is where she started You know This is in the jungle Of the middle part Of her songwriting. But at the same time The album is still great
2: Oh yeah it's. I mean it's It's silly to even talk, to Talk about it In any kind of negative sense Because it's uh, Like I said one of the best selling of all time. And also
1: the song try to Feel Emotional," <laughs> Which that you would know. Okay. And was that closer? Yeah, oh, it was yeah. closer. You've got a great voice, Jackie. Huh? I mean I I ain't no Mariah Carey. We all do know that.
2: So Carey ends up marrying Tommy Matola in June of 1993. Oh, can we talk about this though for a second? <laughs>
1: of course i want to see a picture you have to look up pictures of their wedding because the ceremony was modeled after princess diana and princess (laughs) charles of course it was (laughs) and yes Yes. over the top but she quote mariah carey says quote yeah everybody talks about that but no one saw me on the honeymoon running down the beach miserable crying and alone Wow. So Matola was Jesus. twenty years her senior, and I, like I said, was married with two children when they met. And he said that pursuing a romance with his ingenue was absolutely wrong and an inop- and inappropriate. He said this later on. Wow, and quote, That's so brave of him. If it seemed like I was controlling, I apologize. Was I obsessive? <gasps> oh. Yes, but that was also part of the reason for her success. I want to fuck him now. Go (laughs) fuck yourself, dude. Go fuck yourself. If it seemed like I was controlling, she said, even though I owned that house, the only thing I felt like I owned was my pocketbook. Tommy didn't even know why I always had my bag with me But in my mind I thought If something jumps off I'm ready I lived like that for a long time I used to wish Hope and dream That someone would kidnap me How old was she at that point? When they got married When she's like in her early 20s
2: Yuck That's that's
1: insane And she wasn't allowed to leave the house Without permission she does openly say that it did strengthen her, but it wounded her. When you have to control your own emotions constantly and be aware of every move you make and pretty much ask permission to exist, it affects your life.
2: At one of the heights of your career, Of her career! Too. Like, at the most powerful. This isn't, like, pre... What, you know what I mean? It's so insane how... That, that could only happen because it was, like, the head of her label of course you
0: know? of course and then this. But there also is the power the the power balance of him being much older and her really not knowing how to be an adult yet and not really knowing what was appropriate and what wasn't she
1: lost her virginity to him
0: yeah i mean and
1: she and that's why and actually also in all of this research that we've been doing i make i had made jokes and i apologize i made jokes on page seven when she had said that you could count like, at this point, like, right after the divorce, she said you could count on, you know, I think now she had, what is that, six people that she slept with in her life. And she, there was a lot of quotes about her with her relationship with Tommy Matola that she is very openly not, you can be a sexual person of and course. not be into fucking. Absolutely. And she is one of those people. She, losing her virginity to a man like that, that sex- was not an enjoyable experience for her. Who's this? Why? Um, it depends on the time of day. I think that. <laughs> I think that she. I don't think she's lying. I think that it's something that she has kept close to the chest and that how dare I judge her because she dresses. Now, especially, she dresses the way that she does and she holds herself the way that she's a diva and she's a superstar. I just assumed that she was fucking all the time because. If I was a diva, it probably would be. <laughs> right. but why am I? I shouldn't say that about someone well, else. Jackie,
2: you're a fucking beehole. I am
1: a beehole, and I apologize. No, you're not a
2: beehole. She's a bit of a beehole.
1: I'm a bit of a beehole, but now <laughs> she won't. She definitely. Uh, Mariah Carey does not have complete control over her music before this, and now definitely not until they get
2: divorced in 1998. But she still is able to slip shit past the cola. And in fact, one of the goes. Now let's get into "Merry Christmas." This is at a time when now it's like every artist has their Christmas album. You know, even Ariana Grande has her fuck fuck me it's Christmas. Album, I can't right? wait to talk about fuck me, me it's Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, it's rough. And and so like, but but uh, and this is a quote from a fan, SCF, Uh Back then, you didn't have a lot of artists with Christmas albums. It wasn't a known science at all back then, and there was nobody who did new big Christmas songs. This is now 1994. Carrie said I'm a very festive person I love the holidays I've sung Christmas songs since I was a little girl I used to go Christmas caroling when it came to the album we had to have a nice balance between standard Christian hymns and fun songs it was definitely a priority for me to write at least a few new songs but for the most part people really want to hear the standards at Christmas time no matter how good a new song is
1: I do like that she was originally when they came to her about even just writing new music and doing this album she thought it was too early in her career to do a Christmas album and mm-hmm. she didn't understand why it was being suggested to her and she was openly against it oh, but okay. they forced
2: her to do it anyway. I did not know that. Thank you yeah. Jackie. for They forced for, her to do it anyway. So it sounded like that was something she was really enthusiastic about doing. Well I will say they fucking wrote All I Want for Christmas is You in 15 minutes. It is, which is in 15 minutes.
0: Isn't that wild that like the things in your career that you've put the least amount of effort into sometimes like pay the best It's out? And then you'll work on projects for five years and nobody gives a flying fuck about it. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not speaking from personal experience.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And and Um, honestly songwriters talk about this all the time. I've even had some experiences with this where like it's just like that a lot when it comes to the creative songwriting process like that you will slave over a song for weeks and months and even have to bail on it at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and then other ones will just hit you i'll just be in the shower and some of the our most memorable songs from my band are like happen in you know literally five minutes and it's it's frustrating like you're like why is it like this but it's it's very much a part of the creative process especially for songwriters so, it's it's the middle of the summer. Mariah Carey de- decorates her entire home with all things Christmas to get into the spirit. And she does love Christmas, too. Yes. What I do love, and it's someone that she, there in a lot of the interviews,
1: she talks about how she never had good Christmases as a kid. Her mom was always into Christmas. Her dad was not. And they never had any money. But now... It's essentially like what we are doing with our family. It's taking back Christmas, right? Where where you have there's a lot of bad memories about Christmas, and you always like for years I was like fuck Christmas, I hate Christmas. But then you take it back for yourself and for your family. Take it back back from from Jesus, and it's more about have a cocktail and Uh have a smile and put a fucking Santa hat on, yeah, because it's great and I like it. Mariah Carey really embraces this Mm -hmm. now because now she's essentially
0: what is referred to as the queen of Christmas. Well, I will say that song really does make me feel festive. It's a fucking great song. It is. It's a fun song.
2: Affinity F said, I started playing some rock and roll piano and started boogie woogie, boogie woogieing my left hand. And that inspired Mariah to come up with the melodic, (laughs) I don't want to laugh for Christmas. Oh,
1: no. Yeah, it's the beginning. You know that bing, 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 bing. Bing, b- is that a boogie woogie?
2: That's a little bit of a boogie woogieing. And then we started singing and playing around with this rock and roll boogie song, which immediately came out to be the nucleus of what would end up being All I Want for Christmas is You. That one went very quickly. It was an easier song to write than some of the other ones. It was very formulaic. Not a lot of chord changes.
0: I didn't even realize that came from an entire album.
2: hmm Oh, yeah.
0: And, and, and it's... I, I also enjoyed that. So
1: one of the interviews I was reading with Mariah Carey, they watched the original All I Want for Christmas is You music video. And she was so excited to watch it. And she's pointing at the video and she said, see me in the snow in that little Santa suit. That wasn't a studio. That was a real moment, she says proudly. I was freezing cold, my hair was frozen. It was outside in a snowy field in New Jersey, and I'll just never forget it, because they were real reindeer. And the <laughs> way that they had said it in the interview, it's like she saw it as magic, which Aww. I think is really beautiful. That's, That's so cute. sweet.
2: And that song, by the way, has charted every single holiday season since its original release, which been in 1994. Yeah. I've, I've
0: eaten every other Christmas song. Insane. I read somewhere, and I don't know if this is an accurate fact, but I, I read somewhere that that song's grossed her like $60 million mm-hmm. or something.
2: I'm sh- I would totally believe that. Oh,
0: yeah. Totally. That's why she's the queen of Christmas. And uh, again, I think that she's
1: leaned into that, not because anyone is forcing her to, but it's made her $60 million. <laughs> so fucking sure, I'm the queen of Christmas. Sure. Want me to be the queen of Christmas? Yeah, oh, sure. Also, at the end of this interview, it was I was reading about the 25th anniversary of the album, which is this year. She said, I enjoyed that so much, referring to the interview. Thank you. I think everybody should spend Christmas with me, because it's a great experience. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love her. Oh, so You're good. right. I want to do, I wanna do how Christmas do, with her. How do we get
0: to your, let, let me in your house. That yeah, sounds great.
2: So spend Christmas with her. Well, here we go. Let us get into the beginning of the end for Mar- for Mariah Carey's relationship with her, at this point, husband and Columbia Records. Uh, Mariah Carey, with Daydream, wants to meld R&B with hip-hop and create a body of work that was her most personal expression to date, which causes a ton of tension between her and Matola, who wants, obviously, to have control, wants her to be this like much whiter pop singer's type of person. I mean, a- everything this feels in a lot of ways like a total Total rebellion, like, which is a great thing. It's like almost like her shitty relationship is making her take these risks in her career and do these interesting things. But this is
1: what she loved. She was very into hip-hop. She was very into R&B. She said everyone was like, what are you, crazy? Carrie told Entertainment Weekly in 1997, they're very nervous about breaking the formula. It works to have me sing a ballad on stage in a long dress with my hair up. Mm-hmm. And Puffy, who couldn't believe it either, he said it bugged him out the fact that she wanted to use her girl next door looks to amiably present hip hop to quote white America,
2: which it did. I mean, it worked on it you. It did. It
1: did it for I maybe mean, completely. Did it. And she wanted to go against what she saw as Madonna exploiting hip hop for her own benefit, ah. and she wanted to embrace the world of hip hop and meld it with pop music. Yeah, which also. Paid off because the first single, Fantasy, debuted at number one, making Mariah Carey the first female artist and just the second performer ever to debut at number one.
2: And she ends up doing a remix of that song with Old Dirty Bastard from Wu-Tang Clan. She gets a lot of flack from that. Uh, for that from Columbia she uh, writes One Sweet Day with Boys to Men One that song is fucking amazing that video,
0: that video too always stuck with me so because it's good. just raw footage of yep. them performing and actually watching it makes you respect and appreciate their vocals even more because you're like watching them sing these insane harmonies, and you're just like, holy shit, that's real people. That video only
2: came from the fact that they knew that because of their schedules they were not going to be able to record a music video together in the future, so they said, fuck it, we'll just put cameras in the studio and just get that.
1: It was so effective. So, yeah. so good, and, yeah. and one sweet day, the collaboration with Boyz II Men also debuted at number one and remained lodged at the top of the charts for a record 16 weeks, and that was up until this year when Old Town Road beat the record, wow! Yeah. That's crazy. This fucking year from 1995. Uh, wow. She br- she
2: brings in Jermaine Dupri for the song "Always Be My Baby," which is such a good fucking song. Such a oh, this whole oh. album, my god. And that that relationship—that's the oh. beginning of a beautiful friendship between the two of them. They collaborate on a bunch of stuff in the future. She was actually a big fan of the song "Jump" by Chris Cross. Everybody jump, jump. Jump, 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 Ed Dupree co-wrote that, so uh, she brought him in. Um, and she ends up, uh, the album drops. She goes on her second tour with a sold-out Madison Square Garden show that was filmed and released. She goes and does shows in Japan, select uh, European countries. And during this tour, she's already working on songs for her next album. Uh, th- this album becomes her best-selling to date. Uh, it goes Certified Diamond. And it gets nominated for six different Grammy Awards. It doesn't win, however, a single one. And This, this is such
1: a good, it's so good. It's so, And I re, I, when you told me about this, Holden, I looked it up and I remember specifically when this happened.
2: Six nominations. And we're talking Mariah Carey, all right? She goes in there does not win a single award and ends up just hating the Grammys because of it. She said... Because you can watch as each one she loses as she's
1: getting more and more...
2: I think the word is just...
1: non-surplused.
2: <laughs> uh, she said, what can you do? Let me put it this way. I will never be disappointed again. After sitting that <laughs> through that whole show and not winning once, I can so far handle anything. Good
1: for her. She will not be disappointed again. <laughs>
2: She performs uh, One Sweet Day on that terrifying. show. terrifying. And despite them, she does not perform a single other time again until t- 2006, when she is nominated for eight awards for the Emancipation of Mimi, and she will win three awards during that Grammy so she literally banned their asses
0: you cannot get on her bad side no yeah. man no that's a decade you
2: never... she didn't perform again at the Grammys for a decade
1: mm-hmm.
2: and of course for Daydream she herself which by the way again mad fucking props she directed that rollerblading video she Fantasy. directed
0: it while being almost the only it's just... that's the one that stuck with me as a yeah. kid that video oh, yeah. It was yeah, her. Concept. I want to
2: be.
1: I want. I, you know what? I take it back. I still want to be Mariah Carey. It's a, that's not. That's not in the past. I still want to be Mariah Carey. And
2: she says that you know, or it or is noted that like that video for her was an expression of her finally starting to gain some freedom in her career, and that's why it feels that way. It feels so free and just excited about the future. It does feel liberating, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So, anyways, yeah, that is going to be. Uh, motherfucking daydream. But now we move into a butterfly.
1: And then she also did. Mariah Carey herself did say that she pronounced her sexual blossoming, the beginning of it, with daydream. Yes. And then, and with butterfly is when she really finds that she says, "I'm sexual." Says butterfly. Oh, but But that's not all that I am. Oh, it's not her pussy. It's not all (laughs) that she is. She's bigger than that. She said she's more broadly attempted to present Mariah as a multi dimensional human fucking being. She's not just a sexual human, she's a multi dimensional human fucking being. Wow.
2: So she she now has a lot more control. And she ends up, she's moving away from a fantasy F. And I think that's a lot of that is more, you know, they're having growing creative differences. She's trying to also force Columbia into letting her do more hip hop influence stuff. And I think that pulling away from him helps her do that. She works with producers such as Sean Puffy Combs, Q-Tip, Missy Elliott, among many others. Missy. With a fantasy F. She wrote Butterfly, which she has, has said is her favorite ballad that she has written. Um, and her and Matola during these recording sessions, separate. Uh, which, uh, of course, further leads to her feeling of independence, getting away from, from him. But this is also a time when this separation is being widely reported about in the press. There's all these shitty rumors that all these male producers she's working with, that she's banging the banging them. Yeah, that's what they're saying, but it's all it's lies. Al- I mean, it's always
0: that way. Right. It's, you're, every young actress, singer, whatever, is always accused of fucking everybody to get to the top because they can't imagine that a woman could just get there on her own. No, of course not. And But it took the entirety of Mariah
1: Carey's early career to break out of the original contracts that he, she signed. And with the 1997 album Butterfly, it was her statement of true liberation. Mm-hmm. Because with the exception of The Beautiful Ones, which is a remake of Prince's song, Mariah Carey wrote or co-wrote every single track on Butterfly.
2: Carrie said in the past, people were scared to let me explore different types of music that I loved and enjoyed. The studio heads saw me as having this instrument and they wanted to get the most use out of it. There were a lot of people around me who were afraid of change. I was a valuable commodity, and they didn't want to lose that. I was encouraged to act drab because drab sells records. Bastards! I love it. I mean, and she, when asked how,
1: why she chose butterfly and how she felt about butterflies, she said, "I was never, I was never actually into butterflies, but I kept hearing this song in my head. Spread your wings and prepare to fly because you have become a butterfly." And Another. At the time, I was leaving the home where I lived, and on the mantel there was a piece that this guy had made, and it had a little butterfly in the middle. I had just written the song, so it felt like a sign, and that was the only thing I took from that house, and then it burned to the ground. Fuck yeah. Oh, that's so Again, the house that she had she with Matilda <laughs> burned down. And I am not, of course, saying anything. Obviously, <laughs> and no, honestly, I didn't even see anything that said anything. But it is interesting. It is interesting. It's the only thing she took from the house, and then uh, the house burned down. That's her will. Well, I, I, she's, I'm saying it. She's a strong witch.
2: Oh yeah. She oh, hated you're this fucking motherfucker. Sure. <laughs> yeah. She really hated this motherfucker. So. Also on Butterfly is a song called Breakdown. Jackie, take it away. Break, break
1: down. Instead <laughs> of breaking me out, down. It's one of my favorite songs. Please, please listen to it. Uh, she does it with. Crazy Bones from Bone thugs and harmony And Mariah Carey actually says herself, Breakdown is one of her favorite songs. She said, Just the layering of the vocals and working with particularly Crazy Bone, his style, his flow, just his cadence, I was so inspired by them. I wrote my part, and then they came in and did their part, and we put it together. But I never would have been able to have that experimental time on an album before that. So Crazy Bone himself, so all of this just really, it truly delights me. So Crazy Bone from Bone Thugs and Harmony says, we got to the studio and you know how people say they laid it out in a silver platter? She literally had a silver platter with Hennessy and marijuana for us. So we were like, ah shit, ah man, Mariah's cool as hell. They indulged in so much that they passed out and when Mariah came back in, she asked their manager, is this normal? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll wake up in a minute, trust me. So he came in and woke us up, and we woke right up. She played the beat for us, and as soon as she played it, we were like, oh, this is our lane right here. This is perfect for us. We were shocked that she had so much knowledge of who we were. She was like, I had to meet the guys who were blocking me on the charts. She was very laid back and like one of the homies. But What I like is that this is where she really introduced the idea that before Breakdown, which is one of the finest songs I think that she's ever made— You'd never heard a singer flow like Mariah does when she mimics the staccato vocal style of Bone thugs and harmony who's Crazy Bone and Wishbone guest on the track, not merely singing over a hip-hop beat the way most people fused hip-hop and R&B in that era. Mariah delivered a more melodic version of Bone Thug's sing-song delivery, sometimes in double time. So this not only made her step up in the pop world, but it also gained her insane respect in the hip-hop and the R&B world, which, that's awesome. She made that.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't that insane? And it's because of that. I mean, you know, and and we'll get into Rainbow next uh, in the next episode. But, you know, all of a sudden now we've got Snoop Dogg in the mix. We've got Jay-Z in the mix. We've got major, major entities in hip hop at that time. And even now... Uh, collaborating with her. So, obviously, this was such a huge step forward in her career, much to the chagrin of Columbia Records. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Take your fucking wings and prepare to fly. Uh, you and me come a fly. And
2: that is what's going to call it for this episode. We will get into her uh, uh, exodus from Columbia, her reinvention of herself, her crazy, wild li- ride in her later years with mental Glitter, health issues, baby. with her sister. Uh, we didn't even yet yeah, get into any of that stuff. So her we next will be couple
1: ta- of marriages, her children, how she truly became the queen of Christmas. It's I'm insane. looking forward to this section. It's. I mean, this it is. This is the inspirational part of it. And next week is the Nan Mariah,
2: you so crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And, uh, hey, we'll talk to you next week.
1: We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.